Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to Revelations Podcast. Due to technical issues, we weren't able to use the audio from our microphones for this episode, so we really had to rely on the camera mic, which is why you may notice it sounds a little roomy. But the content is excellent and it applies so much to our life right now. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Enjoy. James 2, 12 through 13. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Welcome to the Revelations Podcast. I'm Reagan Kramer. I'm super pumped about our fiery and wise guest today, Melissa Coleman. We're going to be talking about mercy and how we can extend mercies to others to others to have true freedom in Jesus Christ. Um, please check us out on Instagram at therevelations.podcast and uh, subscribe to all your podcast platforms. Enjoy the show. So hi, Melissa. I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing? I'm well, Reagan. Nice to be here. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the incredible Melissa Coleman is here with us today. And I met you, gosh, I mean... Maybe a year ago, a little bit more than a year, mm-hmm. and um, you have just been an incredible light in my life. That I originally heard about you from a friend of mine who was struggling with something, and uh, she had a conversation with you and just really got free from some things, and then ended up uh, being in a board meeting with you where you were able to give us this teaching and really made an impact on my life, and I was able to forgive and and bring some uh, people in my life that I was struggling with uh, to the mercy seat, you know, and just forgive them for what they've done for me and felt um, that it was kind of a a fresh start in some relationships. And there was definitely um, redemption and restoration through that. So it's super important. And I really felt that it was um, really important that more people hear it. So thanks for being here. Yeah, that's what Jesus wants for all of us, Reagan. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yep. Well, we don't know what we don't know, right? That's right. So let's learn it. Yes. <laughs> so tell us just a little bit about yourself, your family, and uh, what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. So I, I'm a lawyer. I've been practicing here in the Twin Cities for 24 years. Um, I am married to a wonderful man named Austin, and we have five kids. Mm. Um, and three are adults and two are teens and they're just a lot of fun. It's like really cool parenting now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my story. Wow. And you've been a lawyer for how many years? About 24. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that's taught you a ton. Yeah. But you know, it, as much as it's taught me, um, in my tenure as a lawyer, it really wasn't until God started revealing some of these mm-hmm. principles about the heavenly courts mm-hmm. and the heavenly legal system. Mm-hmm. That's when I really started. Wow, this is cool. Um, and that's really only been a couple of years. And that's what I love because you're a really strong, wise Christian woman, yet you have that background of you know being a lawyer in America. So you understand all of that. Mm-hmm. And then God's brought it all together. Yeah, it's just really neat. Um, so on every show, we ask our guests, what has impacted you or what did impact you as a child or a young person that God is using in your life now? Hmm. Okay. I would say if I'm going back to when I was a little girl, I remember my mother, she would ride. She, I was the youngest of seven kids. I am the youngest of seven kids. Wow. And um, my mom would get up before anybody and go have her quiet time. She would read her Bible. She would pray. And I always thought to myself, why does she do that? She's got to be so tired. And she was just found so much life in that. Um, and then I also remember she encouraged me when I was a little, little girl to start memorizing scripture. Mm-hmm. And so she gave me a little book and she dropped, she brought me to the fabric store and we bought some fabric that had little strawberries on it. And I glued it on the outside of my little book and I wrote some, some scriptures in there and I would bring it on the bus to school and I would memorize my little scriptures on the bus to and from school. And I had no idea how much that would impact me as an adult 
because I certainly didn't, um, fell away for many, many years. And when God brought me back home, it was like all those scriptures came back to me. Mm-hmm. So that was huge for me. Because mm. yeah. it was written on her heart. Yes, so exactly. Uh, and I do know a little bit about your testimony, but when did you come back to him? How did that work? Oh, well, that is actually, <laughs> that actually brings us to um, one of the parts of my story, which is, um, and this and this teaching is that, because God whispered to me years ago that that the person who offends me the most or worse is usually the, very often the one that I'm supposed to minister to. And um, I'm like, God, that jerk does not deserve ministry. And God was like, that's true. He doesn't. But neither did you. <laughs> exactly. And he reminded me <laughs> of when I was um, a teenager and I was very rough and tough and hard. Um, so I thought I was really more numb, I think. But um, I was surprised that one day something happened in school that really actually hurt my feelings. And this was usually nothing got to me, but this one got to me. And I decided I was going to skip all my classes that day. And I found a little dark spot behind a beam in the bleachers of my school. And I went and I just sat there and um, said, God, I don't even think you exist. Because if you exist, then you're not doing anything here anyway. And so I just, you know, I don't think that you exist. And um, then something rose up inside of me and said, in fact, you know what? I'm going to give you 10 days. 10 days is what you've got. If you're real, you give me 10, you show up in 10 days and then I'll believe you. So uh, 10 days goes by. I am in California at this time, um, down on a beach in San Diego called Mission Bay Beach. And I go out to the, to the beach and there's this young man who was inviting some other guys on the beach um, to a Bible study that night. And me being who I was, I told him exactly what I thought about him, which was not very nice. <laughs> in fact, I really rather rudely insulted him. I'm sure I used some very choice words. And um, he was like, oh, well, if you think you know something about this, why don't you sit down and, and hear more? And I was like, oh, no, I am not going to give you any of my time. I think you're kind of a freak. So I'm going to move on. And I walked all the way down the boardwalk, Reagan, and back. And it was probably two hours later and burning hot sun that day, burning hot. And there that cat was still waiting for me. And I'm thinking, what in the world? He's still there? Because I really, like, like, I was really not nice. And um, I thought, well, okay, okay, okay. If this guy can, you know, wait for me like that after I insulted him that rudely, okay, I'll give him like one or two minutes. So I sat down and I was like, okay, man, you got two minutes. <laughs> what do you have to say? Four hours later, God literally broke through the steel cage that I had protecting my heart and entered my life for all eternity. And that's why I am here today. Oh, praise God. So that's how I came back. I don't remember hearing the 10 day thing. Yeah, I'm not sure if I shared that before. <laughs> so it's like, hey, I'm giving you 10 days. And there's the guy in the And that was the 10th day. day. <laughs> yeah. Wow, God's never late. No. Um, how old were you again? When I'm ah, 16. Okay. Yeah. 16. Yeah. So you've been through some stuff. And then he's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he shared the gospel with you. Mm-hmm. And you, for wh- however you received that that day, do you think that's the beginning of like the softening of your heart towards all of this? Well, I don't know. That was a long time ago. Um, maybe. I mean, it was certainly the beginning of the Holy Spirit starting to work in my life. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, being in the law profession is, is interesting because you've the whole profession is kind of built on accusation. Yeah. You know, and so I, I was always wondering, like, why do I feel so accused all the time? Like, why do I feel like if I trip up, you know, if I make a mistake, somebody's going to just hit me over the head with a baseball bat, you know, and God was like, well, he brought me actually to Revelation. I think it's 1210 that says that um, the accuser is accusing us before God day and night. I'm like, oh, no wonder I feel accused all the time. And I started talking to people and other people are like, yeah, I experienced that too. And God was like, yeah, that's not what I want for my children. 
And um, then the rest of that verse says, the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And that is good news. That's yes. really good news. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Satan is cast down because of Jesus. Amen. And so you've been a, in a lawyer for a really long time, but how did God actually kind of download or give you the wisdom to share this message with people? Oh, sure. So it's um, the first time that I really encountered this was when I was, my, my husband is a pastoral elder in our church and um, a woman at our church asked, she called and she asked for prayer and I'm like, sure. But then when she started telling me what she's dealing with mm-hmm. and I'm kind of in shock and I'm like, yeah, that's like way above my pay grade. Um, let me call the elders and see if I can get some help here. And so we met after church with the elders and one of the elders was so kind and gracious and he would just, um, he led her through this understanding about mercy. She had come from a country where there was a lot of um, witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So witch doctors were a part of her daily life. And even into adulthood, mm-hmm. she was interacting with, with witch doctors. And she, this woman was just li- literally living in torment. Um, her physical body, her, her emotional state, her mental state, she was literally being attacked all the time. But it was always at night. So she just wasn't sleeping um, and she was just writhing with, um, with all of this oppression that was happening in her, but then it started happening during the day. And this is professional woman, wow, mother, wife, professional. And now it's inter- interfering with her ability to, you know, live during the day. Sure. And she's like, I can't just keep, you know, I can't just keep letting this happen. I got to do something. Mm. And so she kind of came with the attitude of, well, I'm not sure if, if the, the, pastors and elders at, at this church are going to be powerful enough mm-hmm. because these witch doctors are really powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, what the Lord showed us is that that really was not what was at issue. It was whether Jesus was powerful enough. Right. And do we know how to apply what Jesus, Jesus power in this situation to um, break off the, that, uh, access that the enemy had in her life. Mm -hmm. And so what this, um, one of the elders did is sat down and just peacefully, calmly, I'm thinking, is this going to be like a, and you know, all of this. And no, it was none of that. It was, um, let me teach you about the principles of mercy. What we're going to do is you're going to, you're going to think about every single witch doctor and the Lord's going to bring that to your remembrance. And you're going to release mercy over each and every one of them. And that's going to break that access that they have to you, into you. And one by one. And, and so we just went through, I think, one or two. And then she did the rest of them at home. And I think she was kind of like, oh, but I need help. And and this elder was like, no, you're a powerful person. You're going to do this one on your own. You can do this because you are powerful. And so that it becomes part of the teaching as well. So um, she got delivered. <laughs> And she sleeps well, mm-hmm. and she does not have um, the enemy beating her up anymore. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And I firmly believe that mercy is a weapon of our warfare. And that's what we're talking about this whole season is being armored up in Jesus Christ. And we do have the power in Jesus Christ to overcome some of this. So I love that he told her, no, now that you know how to do it. I mean, that's part of discipleship. Like I'm right. teaching you that. Right. And you have the power in Jesus Christ. You don't need someone to yeah. do it. There's moments where God's like, call in the troops and we need to pray, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's other moments where it's like, we have the Holy Spirit in us and we have the power to defeat the enemy. Through those and it's tools. not, I mean, it's really good to do it with somebody mm-hmm. because, you know, if you think about like an earthly uh, court, there's always witnesses, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but we don't need somebody else because they have a higher level of power. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so I would, this just opened up something for me. And I went to that elder and I said, I need more of this. Can you please teach me more? And he just sort of smiled. And I texted him. I was like, no, no, I'm really serious. I'll even come to your house. And he, he just said, we fine. And I was like, what's up with that? And um, so God was like, because I want to teach you. And it dawned on me as I was writing some of these things down, because every single day, the Lord kind of gave me a new aspect of this. Mm-hmm. And it turned into another paragraph. So for about a month, every day, he was downloading on me this teaching and it became, um, you know, just progressively more and more 
um, amazing in my own life first. He walked me through this first. Yeah. And so I, I realized that because of my, my law practice and my experience in the law, he wanted to show me principles that he couldn't have shown me mm-hmm. had I gotten them from somebody else who wasn't a lawyer, didn't have that background. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So what is the definition of mercy? Well, I've heard a lot of different definitions of mercy. Um, I, For me, I believe the definition of mercy is not counting people's sins against them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard mercy compared to grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think grace is more God is giving us what we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. Mercy is God is refraining from giving us the punishment that we deserve. Mm-hmm. He's not counting our sins against us. Yeah. 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 I've also been asked, you know, what, how do you compare mercy with forgiveness? And I've kind of been struggling with the Lord on that. And I believe he's um, helped me to see at least in part an answer to that question. Um, I think that when we get saved, mercy is like, mercy is what Jesus does. Okay. Forgiveness is what we do in our heart. And so I think when we get saved, Jesus kind of deposits like a million dollars in our bank account. Okay. Of mercy, our mercy account. But if I have, you know, bills to pay, if I have debtors, um, people that owe me debt, or if I owe somebody else a debt, okay, let's say I, I've got a, a water bill that um, I get, somebody sends me the bill. If I never take a check and write the check and send it and pay for that, mm-hmm. they can come after me legally, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. doesn't matter how much I've got in my bank account. I've got to write that check and pay for that debt. Mm-hmm. And that is what um, I believe happens when we apply Jesus's mercy to those debts that are owed to us when people sin against us. Um, Forgiveness is my willingness to write that check, that heart condition that says, yes, I will agree with mercy, with Jesus's mercy and not count this person's sin against them. Mm, That's good. That's a good distinction. And that is a hard one. I've wrestled with that too. Like, what does that really mean? Forgiveness versus mercy. Um, but yeah, there definitely has to be a softening of the heart and then it's acting on yeah. it. Yeah. So that's good. Um, and so what have you learned about the heavenly court? I mean, you're in the courtroom, the physical courtroom in your job, but what have you learned about the heavenly courts from scripture? You mentioned Revelation 12. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. Um, there's some, dis- there's some differences, mm-hmm. um, but the, the, the heavenly realm is very legal. It's governmental. Um, there is protocols in the heavenlies and we have seen in scripture, a lot of reference to courts and to legal protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are some real similarities to our earthly system. There's also some key differences. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll have time to get into those. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've had people say to me, you know, when I was a new believer and I just didn't feel free from some things. And I had some prayer warrior women say to me, well, you know, Satan's a legalist. So you got to do this. And, you know, and it's like, I was always like, what are you talking about? But then I started to learn, like, he will take any opening yes. or any loophole in any contract, yep. right? And and try to get in there yes. and continue to condemn. And so when I heard this message for the first time, I'm like, wow, it's kind of bringing like so many things I've heard in my life together in a practical way. So I really, really appreciate it in the work that you've done. Um, so the beginning of the passage that I read, um, the beginning of that passage in James says that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, or in Luke 6, it also says, do to others as we, as we would have done to us. And I have heard you say, Melissa, that this is a standard and how we should treat people and then how we ourselves should be treated. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not my standard. It's Jesus' standard. You know? yeah. <laughs> He's the one that said it. And so when he says something, we got to believe it. Yeah. Um, but I wrestled with him on this because I was like, you know, the, the, the reality is, I think that we are not accustomed to be treat, being treated according to the standard. We don't typically treat others, you know, strangers, or even sometimes people that are close to us, how we would ourselves would want to be treated. And so it's kind of like, it's a, it's part of our culture that mm-hmm. we treat people below that standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think we often feel unworthy 
to be treated according to that standard. You know, every time somebody commits um, an offense against us, it kind of diminishes us and um, and our self-worth and our self-esteem. And so I think there's this tendency to not feel worthy um, to demand to be treated according to the standard. Mm-hmm. But our God-given human dignity demands it. That's what Jesus said. So that's what we got to go with. Yeah, that's awesome. That's such a great reminder, too, because... Anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. Okay. <laughs> so let's use as an example, I mean, I, maybe if you want to, we can go into this later too, but I, can I just give you a real life example of like what could be going on with a person yeah. uh, and kind of walk us through this. So I keep it real. So let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I won't be too real because people are going to be like, I'll make up this story. <laughs> so let's say um, that a friend of mine heard that I was gossiping about her and came to me really upset. And again, I'm making this up, but I'm sure it's happened. Okay. I found out who fal- falsely accused me of gossiping and I was angry and resentful. Okay. So that's just like a normal human fe- feeling. Yeah. Um, now let's be honest here. Like, I mean, I would totally play this story. Like if this happened to me over and over in my head and like how upset I am and how dare this person do this. Right. And mm-hmm. it would kind of stir. And I think all of our listeners could admit that there's times in our lives when we have felt condemned or that someone said something wrongly about about us or falsely accused that we, I mean, I've lost days in my Mm -hmm. life stirring on things or being Mm -hmm. upset. And I know that is not what God wants, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have the tools at the time to um, know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I was always trying to figure out how I could be right. Mm -hmm. Like, how could I be let off the hook? Because I didn't do it. Right. Or that person falls, whatever it was. Uh, but I, I mean, the word mercy was not in my mind. It was like, oh, I should forgive her, but I can't, you know. So what would you say to me if I just met you on the street and I was like, listen, this just happened and I'm a mess. I'd say, let's go get some coffee. Yeah. <laughs> cool. um, I'd say, don't do nothing. Because that's what everybody does. They do nothing. And that gives the enemy an opportunity to sink his to- his hooks deep into our wounds of offense. Mm-hmm. And it causes festering mm-hmm. and infection. Um, I, a lot of people think, oh, time heals all wounds. I think that is hogwash. I think time heals nothing. Um, in the matters of the soul, I think it just buries them deeper. Mm-hmm. I think mercy heals everything. I've seen it happen. And I've seen it happen in a moment. It doesn't take any time at all. So um, what I would, what I would encourage you to do is sue her. Okay. Take her to court. That doesn't sound very Christian. (laughs) It doesn't, but we're not suing in the earthly courts. We are in our own, um, in our own prayer time, in our own quiet time with the Lord. We're hauling them into the heavenly courts. Mm -hmm. And so you can haul her into the heavenly courts. You can name the charge or the charges against her very accurately. That's a very important to do. You can't haul somebody in court and say, you hurt me. No, she falsely accused you. She gossiped about you. She damaged your reputation. Just in your example, she did a lot of those things. So naming those charges is really important. Mm -hmm. I've heard other charges like you violated me Mm -hmm. or you neglected me or um, you misused my trust Mm -hmm. or you didn't protect me. Um, There's a lot of um, charges that the Holy Spirit will remind you of as you seek him. But it is very important because like in the earthly courts, you can't, a defendant can't be acquitted or um, convicted of a crime that they, an offense that has not been specifically named in what we call in the natural, the charging document. Um, So you have to get those charges, write them down, ask the Lord to help you get them accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if somebody committed murder two, but you charge them with murder one, they're going to get off. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So they have to be accurate. And, and so yeah, bring her to the heavenly courts and name those charges against her. Um, she is, you know, that that lady is guilty. She's deserving of punishment. Um, but then you get to make a decision. And that decision is a very serious decision. You can either partner with, um, with the accuser against her and demand what the principles of justice say that she has coming to her, which is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Or you can choose to partner with Jesus and agree with mercy and apply that mercy to pay for the debt that was created from that offense. 
And uh, when you do that, it's powerful because you accomplish a lot of things. You, you break the power of condemnation off of her. And so, because when we are accusing somebody, it's heaping condemnation on them. And when you break the power of condemnation off of her, you're extracting the enemy's hooks from her mm. in hopes that the Lord will gain access to her and have her have a change of heart, mm-hmm. but in his time, not ours. Okay. Um, but it's also destroying that conduit that keeps us in relationship with the accuser against her. And that is that conduit when we're in relationship with the accuser is the access point where he gets to come in and mess with our minds and hearts. You said we can spend days stewing, hurt, pain. And even if we can get over it for a little while, all the enemy has to do later on in your life is remind you of that or cause a similar situation to arise. And sure enough, the enemy goes back and gets that old one because it's still out there. It's a trigger. Not having been paid for. Mm. Mm. Wow. There's a lot you just said. So we can, because we extend mercy towards someone else, that's actually going to allow them to be more free. Yeah. And us. For sure us. Like, Mm -hmm. I think most of us can understand that piece of it. But I think we're not, like, I don't, I don't think we're taught. Like, when we do that, it, it, it helps both parties mm-hmm. become free. And then the enemy doesn't have a gateway in because we have extended mercy. And that sounds yeah. a lot like Jesus. It sounds like the third way, you know? Yes. And what is, you said it yourself, Reagan. You said um, the enemy will use anything and everything to gain access. And that is absolutely true. So don't you think he's smart enough to know that if he puts somebody in your path to offend and hurt you, mm-hmm. that he can gain access to you through your unforgiveness of that person mm-hmm. and wreak havoc in your life. Yeah. You know, it's basically an invitation into your soul house. It's like, Hey, come into my, into my soul, come into my house. You can be a house guest forever, <laughs> you know? And we want to evict the enemy from our soul house because, um, God, Jesus wants us to live way better than that. So good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so we literally are saying no to the schemes of the, of the enemy as we agree with Jesus and extend mercy to this person yep. who has offended us. And I say a lot of times, like, are we going to wake up in the morning and uh, live for God's kingdom or for Satan's kingdom? And it's all those little choices yep. that we make every day. And that's part of it. So what are the consequences of withholding mercy? Like, what if I was like, okay, I know I can do that, Melissa, but I don't feel like it. Yeah, yeah. no, no. And it's a real choice. It's a very real choice, okay? And it's our choice to make. Um, so if we choose not to extend mercy, well, the Bible is pretty clear about that. Um, that really gives, again, the enemy access to us to torment us. Um, there's a lot of passages that back this up, but probably the most on point one is Matthew 18. Mm-hmm. In Matthew 18, that's the parable of the unforgiving servant. You know that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that servant, that first servant, uh, owed the master 10,000 bags of gold. Now, if you do your research, that equates to 200,000 years worth of wages. Okay. That is not, that cat is not going to be able to pay that back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't, you know, the master was going to sell his wife and, and him and his kids and everybody into slavery. Um, but he begged for mercy and the Lord, the master showed him mercy. And so he didn't just give him more time because who could have repaid that debt, right? He actually canceled his debt and let him go for free. And, um, but then that, that servant came upon a peer, a fellow servant, and that fellow servant only owed him a hundred silver coins. Now in that, again, that day, that was about a hundred days worth of wages and he choked him and demanded that he pay back what he owed, that hundred silver coins, immediately. Well, just like he did with the master, that fellow servant begged for mercy for more time to repay the debt. He's on his knees, please, please. And that first servant, the one whose debt of 200,000 years of wages, 10,000 bags of gold, just been forgiven by the master, said, no, you're going to jail. Throw me to jail. So the other servants got wind of this. They brought this to the master. The master summoned that first servant. And he said, you are wicked. And he threw him into into prison to be tortured by the jailers. And um, I'll tell you, I'll have to look at at this first because I don't have it memorized. 
but um, the, the Bible's very clear. There's Luke, I got Luke 6, 36 through 37. It's like, be merciful, even as, as your father is merciful. Yeah. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned and forgive. There's so many verses. And you will be forgiven. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Matthew 18, 35 is what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Mm-hmm. And James uh, 2.13 says, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful for mercy triumphs over judgment. So there are very real consequences for refusing to extend mercy. Right. And unfortunately, we're the ones that are going to be the, um, the beneficiary of all of that muck and torture. Because as you know, he loves to torment our minds and hearts mm-hmm. with painful memories and emotions and hurts from past wounds. Yeah, and we might not be thrown into prison, but we will be living in our own prison Yep, if we don't do that. And I just, I mean, I know you've, talk to so many people about this and I think it's fascinating how we don't know what we're holding in until we actually take an act of obedience and start to bring people to the heavenly courts that have offended us or we feel offended by and when you say and I just want to clarify something when you say take to the heavenly courts you just mean through prayer you just Mm -hmm. mean through you know being with Jesus and like hey I want to be free from this and then yeah. accusing them and, and extending that mercy over them like Jesus did for us. I mean, it's pretty simple. It is. And, and another, I think, important point, Reagan, is that there's nothing in this process that requires the defendant um, acknowledge their sin or take responsibility mm-hmm. or even apologize. Mm-hmm. So if you're waiting for an apology, right. you're going to be waiting a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, we, this is about getting the enemy's hooks out of us. Uh, so we can be free from, um, from the access that he wants to use to torment us. Mm. And that's really good because even that's someone that has passed. Yeah. That we need, you know, I had to forgive someone in my life that has already died. And I felt like I had for for sure for, the forgiveness was there. But it, it's interesting, though, because I, I met you after that. And there was this step of obedience that I needed to call out what the actual offense was because it has it was like a lot of fallout. Yeah. you know, in, in my life from that. And, and being able to do that, it, there's more freedom. Yeah. <laughs> People are shocked when they do this, pro- when they go through this process, bring somebody to heavenly courts, accurately name the charges. And there's power in that too, mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I was, you know, I was wronged here mm-hmm. and this is exactly how I was wronged. But then Partnering with Jesus and extending that mercy, it breaks the power of the enemy to um, continue to accuse that person and condemn them. But it also breaks his power to torment us. Mm-hmm. It, and so um, this actually just brings me to another thought is, you know, the Bible says that we have to forgive from our heart. And, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I always just get really honest with people and say, I'm there are some people, some offenses, I just can't fully forgive. Like I try, like I'm really must trying to muster up the best that I can, but I don't know. I'm just not a good enough a person or a good enough a Christian to do it. I'm just really being honest. I mean, I, try, I say I forgive them and I really, really do try. But if I'm being super honest, if I see them out in public or if I hear their name mentioned, I just have a little bit of ill will towards them, or maybe I'm a little uncomfortable just hearing their name. That's residue of unforgiveness. So I actually asked the Lord that. I was like, okay, Lord, how do I do this? Because, I mean, there's really grave consequences for not fully forgiving from my heart. But I can't do this if I'm being really authentic, you know? And he was like, yeah, okay, thanks. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. And he did. So he said, okay, Melissa, you have to imagine yourself in the defendant's seat first. Because you owed me 10,000 bags of gold. And you have to remember how I released mercy over you and canceled that debt. And then you keep your eyes fixed on, on me when you bring your perpetrator into that trial. Mm-hmm. And you remember that compared to what you owed me, that person really only, be, only owes you a hundred silver coins. Mm-hmm. And with that realization, wow. I can apply that same mercy that Jesus 
apply it to my sin and apply it to their offense against me. Mm. So in one sense, it's almost like I'm not really forgiving them. I'm just applying, I'm releasing the same mercy that Jesus released over me. I'm releasing that over them. And what is so amazing, Reagan, is that after I do that, my soul catches up. Mm. Then my heart is able to fully forgive. You know why? Because the enemy is not in my heart, in, in my heart home anymore. He's not reminding me of all those painful memories sure. and thoughts and emotions. Right. So now my soul can catch up and I can for fully forgive from my heart. But it's only after I've done this kind of spiritual transaction mm -hmm. where I've applied that mercy to their sin. I mean, this is this could have a huge eternal impact on generations of people that do this kind of work. Because, I mean, we've all had... Whether you know it or not, there's probably been curses down your family line. There's probably been um, abuse. There's, you know, we've, there's addiction all over the place. And when we are able to apply that mercy, we can actually break generational curses and yeah. that have been, have, there's been a stronghold over our families for a long yeah. time, whether we know it or not. And people are in so much pain. Mm -hmm. um, my son told me the other day, the statistic that just, wow, it was, it was shocking he said that the number two cause of death of um, people between 19 to 24 years of age is suicide. Sure. The number one cause is fentanyl overdose. Wow. Both of those things are any natural human response to pain. You either numb pain with, with alcohol and drugs mm -hmm. or you off yourself and stop it and, and end it mm. for good mm. by killing yourself. People are in a lot of pain because the enemy has been given a lot of access to people's lives and their hearts. And um, I can't tell you how much this um, revelation and this teaching has, has transformed me. I didn't know that I was holding on to things. I didn't realize how heavy and condemned and uh, conflicted I had become. But when I started going through this process, the Lord kept showing me more and more people that I needed to haul into court. Even my own husband sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, and release mercy over them. And it just broke it off and getting the enemy's hooks out of you is so liberating. I just had a gal over the other night who, um, took, uh, an ex-husband who had beat her so, so badly, um, even knocking her unconscious and so many broken things and so much blood and so much bruising. And um, just a young, a young woman, she brought him to trial in the heavenly courts, named those charges and released mercy over every single one of them. She declared him forgiven, acquitted and free, even though he was guilty and deserving of punishment. She said, because Jesus released mercy over me for a debt that I could never repay, I'm going to choose to release mercy over him for, for this debt against me, for this injustice, these injustices that he's committed against me because it creates a debt. Mm -hmm. And um, man, when she, it was almost like the gavel came down. She said, I declare you forgiven, acquitted and free. And it was like the gavel came down and there was just like this explosion of joy. And she just, she just was, was like, I feel so different. And we're like, wow, how do you feel so different? She's like, I just feel really light. And I was like, yeah, that's that, that's that freedom that Jesus wow. wants for all of us. And so the more I got into to doing this, I was conducting trials all the time. And I hear that from people. The first, you know, several days and weeks of having this message um, and having this tool of this process, they just conduct trials all the time, but they get lighter and freer. Mm. And from uh, for, for me, I can say that I've gotten to the point where I'm so uh, loving my freedom. I can feel when the enemy's trying to get his hooks in me on something. And I'm like, no. No devil, uh -uh. I choose mercy. I'm partnering with mercy. Mm -hmm. And I got more uh, serious and committed to protecting my freedom mm. than protecting my pride. That's good. Because it really is pride that keeps us from doing it to begin with. Wow. So say that one more time. <laughs> you, I got more um, diligent and fierce about protecting my freedom mm -hmm. than about protecting my pride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a word. Yeah. It's a word we all need, friends. So what if there's someone out there listening and they're in an abusive situation and they're just like, 
you know, like you said, sometimes you don't feel like doing this, but how do we, how do we do this? Keep healthy boundaries, mm. right? Like yep. if we're actually living in this situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But needing to extend mercy because we feel so oppressed. How does that work? I've had a lot of people say, so does this just mean you keep giving people more chances? And I'm like, no, quite the opposite. Um, this process of releasing Jesus's mercy and forgiving somebody from fully from your heart, getting the enemy's hooks completely out of you and out of them, it actually allows us to take our sovereignty back. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when someone um, commits an injustice against us, which is just simply treating us differently than they would want to be treating themselves, when they commit that injustice against us, we become a victim, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and there's a power imbalance. But this process actually allows us to take our power back when we're the ones that are in the courtroom deciding their fate mm-hmm. for, you know, what they've done to us. That's a pretty powerful position to be in. Mm-hmm. And so we, we get to take our power back. When I think of sovereignty, um, I think of a nation, okay? A sovereign nation controls its borders and decides who comes in, who does not come in. And if you come in, how long do you get to stay? What do you get to do while you're here? Okay. Um, when somebody commits an injustice against us, it's like an illegal entry into our sovereign being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we go through this process of extracting the enemy, we're no longer victim. We're in an empowered state. And we, is, we are reestablishing our borders, our boundaries. And so now, and we're wiser for it. Mm-hmm. So quite the opposite. We don't keep letting people in that shouldn't get to be in our lives. Sure. We've actually reestablished our boundaries so that they can't come in or they can only come in under certain circumstances. And I'll tell you a story in my own life, how I realized this. There was somebody that had hurt one of my kids and man, did I have every reason in the natural to despise him. He knew it. I knew it. And everybody that was a part of that situation knew it. And um, it was probably the, the, the hardest trial that I had to commit, that I had to conduct. And, um, and I called one of my prayer partners and I said, I need help on this. I need you to pray for me. And so we did it over Zoom, did this trial over Zoom, took about 10, 12 minutes. And, you know, a lot of tears, a lot of snot, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it was done. And I didn't really feel that different. Okay. Um, but the next day I knew I had to see this person. Okay. And I walked into this room and the atmosphere was different. And, um, the, uh, the, the, there was a lady sitting not too far from me and she turned around to me and she wanted to start telling me about all the horrible things that the same person had mm-hmm. done to one of her kids because mm-hmm. she knew what he had done to my one to my mm-hmm. kid and um and I felt the, the enemy trying to bait me back in you know mm-hmm. I'm like he's like trying to lure me back in mm-hmm. to judgment against which this person. is so easy to do yes and to come you know to be back in a relationship with the accuser mm-hmm. Um, and the Lord reminded me of this legal principle. Um, once a defendant is acquitted of a crime, they cannot be retried again for that same crime. I had declared 24 hours earlier that this gentleman was forgiven and acquitted. So if I'm going to now get back into judgment, back into relationship with the accuser against him, even though I'm getting lured by this other person, I'm committing double jeopardy. And our, even our United States Constitution strictly forbids double jeopardy. You cannot bring somebody back into court for the same crime twice. That's really powerful. Like if no one's heard that before, what double jeopardy is. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so um, so the Lord was like, I just, um, I just declared under my breath many times throughout the couple hours that I was there, I chose mercy. I am choosing mercy. I am sticking with mercy. And I, uh, and I thought, this is amazing because... I just kept saying it. And you know how the Bible says when you resist the devil, he has to flee. Yeah. At one point, it was just broke. It was just done. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. I I, I almost took the bait. Mm. Like my flesh wanted to take the bait. And I didn't. But this was what was so amazing about that. About two months later, I saw that person in public. And I walked by him. And I just was like, hey, Jeff, how you doing? And I was shocked. <laughs> and he was shocked. And... The Lord showed me all of, I hadn't thought about him for wow. two months straight. Now I had been up sleepless nights for months, just um, tormented with the, the anger and the rage I had towards this person. 
And, um, and the Lord showed me that actually applying mercy is the only way to get out of relationship with some people who don't have the right to be in our lives. You know, this person was not somebody that deserved to be in my life. Um, I didn't want him in my life and he didn't deserve to be there, but he had so much of my heart and mind space. Sure. And the Lord showed me that this is, when you apply mercy, it is broken. It's done. The enemy can't continue to torment me. And that was the only way that I could get out of relationship with him. Because if I'm in relationship with the accuser against somebody, I'm in relationship with that person. That's right. But I could cut off that relationship and be completely free. And then this person didn't have any more access to my heart and mind space. It was great. I think people are going to have to like rewind and listen to that again. Because that was really good. And, you know, and let's, I just want to clarify and remind our listeners, it. It, this is not dependent on how the other person reacts. Right. This is because he could have been like, he could have went off on you. We don't know. Yeah. But, and you said the atmosphere was different. And and I wish sometimes in the spiritual realm, I could see that because it's like, is it, was just your atmosphere different or was it, does this, I mean, did this affect him to the point that we will never understand? You know, it actually does affect the other person. Um, I, I didn't realize it until I started seeing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So wait, I could tell so many stories. Um, I'm thinking of one where um, a young wife and mother, uh, for, she released mercy over her husband who had um, violated their, their marriage bed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Committed adultery. Mm-hmm. And she did this trial and she thought she had forgiven him, mm-hmm. but she was always like setting traps for him and accusing him, always wanting to know, where are you? When are you coming home? Who have you been with? Let me see your phone. And, um, and he really was, um, you know, he, he was repentant and he wasn't doing that anymore, but it was so hard for her to be free from it. Okay. Sure. But she released mercy over him, conducted this trial, declared him acquitted, broke off that power, um, you know, of condemnation off of him. And that's key. And, um, broke that, that conduit that was keeping her in relationship with the accuser against him. Mm. She left, she went home and she opened the door and her husband met her at the door and said, thank you for forgiving me. Wow. And, um, they wept and that was the start of a very different season in their relationship. Um, yeah. Um, I've seen people, um, get free from the accuser against, I saw one lady get free from the accuser against her dad who had molested her growing up, her biological dad. Mm -hmm. And um, for a long time, she kept him in bondage. Mm -hmm. And um, when she was able to fully forgive from her heart, um, it actually opened the door for a relationship with him. He was a different person, but with proper boundaries, of course, but who would have ever thought you would be able to be in a, loving relationship with somebody that's violated you that badly. God does it. And that's where I was kind of going because I mean, we know all of us know stories like that, you know, yeah. and can that really happen? And can people really, can relationships that were that broken be restored? And if we know the gospel, we would say yeah. yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, he takes the dead things and he brings them to life. But how do you actually put exactly. that into practice? Exactly. And yeah. so that's why I love this. Um, that in, And I know you've also seen like physical healing in people's mm-hmm. bodies because they, because I like to say that, and it's true, that we are spiritual beings in a physical body and that everything is working together. And yeah. so if we're holding you know, shame, condemnation, guilt, you know, unforgiveness, mercy from others. It, we can, it, it, it stays in ourselves and we yeah. can become sick. We can yeah. physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. So what have you seen happen when people actually do this and mm-hmm. in their body? Okay. I have to think about which story to tell. One example would be good because, um, okay. Yep. There was a, a, a woman who, had a very um, traumatic childhood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very traumatic. And she was suffering from a lot of uh, medical problems. Um, whether it was related or not, like nobody knew. But um, she, was, she was really suffering. 
And um, at one point she um, had an attack on her body that sent her to the hospital for some, some months and rehab for several weeks after that. Um, I, I saw her shortly after. And when I saw her, she was just in so much pain, so much pain, high levels of narcotics and still so much physical pain and weak, like, um, you know, not even able to walk around or go to the bathroom without help, you know, really, really weak. And, um, and I, I start, you know, I, I was just there bringing lunch to her, um, after she'd gotten out of the hospital, but you know how the Lord does, you know, he, all these like divine appointments. So I started sharing some of the principles of this teaching with her. And, um, at one point she looked at me and she said, I need to talk to you. Can you send everybody else away? And now she had told me before, like months prior, she's like, I want to share my story with you. Mm. And I said, well, sure, let's do it. She's like, no, I can't. Because if I try to tell my story, I get re-traumatized and, mm. and I become physically ill. And so I'm like, whoa, that's terrible. I don't even, I don't know how to help you, you know, if you can't talk about it. Sure. And um, so she says to me this day, uh, she says, you know, let's, can you make everybody else go away? So I grab my credit card. I'm like, Hey guys, go to the coffee shop by me. (laughs) And so she sat there and she told me her whole story without any emotion in the greatest of details. And I was like, so like, wow, this is heavy stuff. This is really, really heavy stuff. I mean, it wasn't just one family member. It wasn't just two. It was a lot of them really hard things. And she, but she sat in my, it was like, it was like she sat in my office. Like she was a client that came to my office and just without emotion, she just shared the facts. Whoa. And so, um, you know, after all of this, I'm writing it down. I actually brought my legal pad that day, which like, why would you bring a legal pad to bring somebody lunch? I brought my legal pad, grabbed a pen and I'm writing out the charges. Because as she's telling the story, I'm creating the charging document what each person, you know, was, mm-hmm. should be charged with. Mm-hmm. And so after that was done, I said, listen, let's go through one trial because, um, you know, I don't have time. <laughs> I'm really tired and you're really powerful. She's like, I don't think I can do well, that. So I'm like, no, you are, you are powerful. And I'm going to show you how powerful you are. So there we are. And we are getting ready to conduct this trial. And we chose her dad because he had probably the least number of offenses. Okay. So, I led her through this prayer and it sounded something like this. Mm. Loving father and righteous judge, I summons my dad to the heavenly courts. Dad, I charge you with the offenses of, and she named every single charge against her dad. She said, you are guilty of these charges and you are deserving of punishment. However, because Jesus chose to extend mercy to me for a debt that I could never repay, I choose to extend this same mercy to you for your offenses against me. Jesus, I ask that you not count my dad's sins against him. I hereby break the power of condemnation off of you, dad, and I declare you acquitted, forgiven, and free. I also hereby break every tie I have had with the accuser against you, dad. Enemy, you no longer have power over me and no legal right to torment me, I will not be lured back in by you or commit double jeopardy. I break off my relationship with you now against my dad for good. And it was like the gavel came down and she jumped to her feet and she bellowed in a loud voice. I'm pain free. And I was like, what? Wow. And she's like, I don't have any pain. Wow. I haven't not had pain since the last time I can remember. I don't have any pain. And she just kept yelling and, She's like, let's go for a walk. And I'm like, let's not. I don't really know what's happening here. But the Lord showed us very clearly that she had been retaining those injustices in her physical body. Mm-hmm. You know, Reagan, there's been so much science about um, the connection between the soul and the body and how um, stress and how pain, emotional pain damages our body. So many diseases have their root in, um, in, our, in our mental trauma state. Mm-hmm. But this was instantaneous. It was like she got completely delivered and set free. And so she realized how powerful she was. Um, for the rest of the day, she texted me. I just did another trial. And, um, and she went through and did trials on everybody. And then she went back to her old journals. 
and she found more charges. Mm. So she, she texted me. She said, I'm hauling them back into court. Don't worry. They're different charges. So I'm not committing <laughs> double jeopardy, but they are, they, I've got to deal with these. Yeah. These need payment because if they don't get paid for, you know, we can have that million dollars of mercy in our own bank mm-hmm. account. Mm-hmm. But if we don't write that check and pay for the debts that's created when people, um, you know, violate us, yeah. it remains out there and the enemy can wreak havoc with both parties, with both the, the offender as well as the victim. Yeah, that's amazing. And you have, like, you literally have a legal pad here. And so you recommend that people use a legal pad. Yeah, I, so I give everybody this. It's like a little mini legal pad. Mm-hmm. And it's confidential and attorney-client privilege. And then the owner, the person that owns this legal bag gets to put their name there. Yeah. And it's confidential and attorney-client pr- privilege. So um, if you and I were going through um, a prayer session together, um, because you are co-counsel with the Holy Spirit as my lawyer, mm-hmm. helping me to accurately articulate the charges and leading me through this prayer, mm-hmm. you're bound by confidentiality. Mm-hmm. You can't share what I share with you with anybody else. And then attorney-client privilege just means like, if I have a client that shares confidences with me, I can't be brought into court and questioned about that confidential information. There's a, there's a law that says that that, that is protected. And so um, that's why it is highly confidential because it's between you and the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then um, I encourage people whenever I do this teaching to write out all the names mm-hmm. of the people that the Lord brings to the surface of their mind and just write their names, nothing else. And then I say, choose one of those names and flip the page over again. And write their name at the top mm-hmm. and then say, Holy Spirit, please help me to articulate the charges accurately and thoroughly against this person. And um, and sometimes it's good to ask somebody for help, you know, so they might just high level facts of what happened, not with all the emotion and the drama sure. and how painful it was, but just the high level facts so that that person can help, um, you know, be a conduit for the Holy Spirit, who is our lawyer in this process, mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. us articulate the charges. Mm-hmm. And once they've done that, then in the back of this legal pad, there's three sample prayers. One of them is releasing mercy over the perpetrators in my life. One of them is releasing mercy over myself when there's been prolonged unforgiveness, which is a sin. Yeah, that's powerful. And then releasing mercy over myself for violating my conscience or just whatever sin, you know, when I've ignored the Holy Spirit, um, when I did something I knew better not to do. Mm The enemy loves to accuse us and condemn us. But the Bible says that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And it also says that there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. There's a translation, Reagan, of that verse that says, it's the mirror translation. It says, now the decisive conclusion is this. Every bit of condemning evidence against us is canceled. Amen. And that's when the Lord showed me about the third plea. Because in the earthly courts, we go into court, we go to our arraignment, you got two plea options. You can either plead guilty or not guilty. But in the heavenly courts, we have a third plea option. And that is we can plead the blood of Jesus. Mm. And the blood of Jesus makes our guilt or innocence irrelevant because it shuts the mouth of the accuser against us. It pays for the debt that's created from sin. And when we plead the blood of Jesus, we are completely set free. And the enemy cannot condemn us anymore. And if he tries, we can just say, hey, I chose mercy. I already pled the blood of Jesus. I've been acquitted. So when he tries to remind me of his of my past, I can remind him of his future. Wow. <laughs> Preach it, Melissa. That's <laughs> the truth. I love it. So you have the sample prayers, releasing mercy over the perpetrator in your life, over yourself, and then uh, for prolonged unforgiveness, and then violating your conscience. So there's three. Yes. And, I mean, do you do this every week? Like, if something comes to you, are you just like, okay, let's go. I, well, I do it with other people's with a lot. But uh, personally. Oh, all the time. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. It is a lifestyle. So this is not one and done. Friends. Oh, I mean, this no. Is, no double jeopardy, but right. like things will, it's like keep coming. Oh, they, they do all the time. In fact, um, it wasn't long ago that I was asked to lead this prayer meeting. And, um, and I went to go lead the prayer meeting, which, start, which was supposed to start at 815. I show up at 840 with two cups of caribou coffee, one for me and one for my friend. And the ladies in this prayer meeting are like, um, we've been sitting here waiting for you. Uh, and you went to caribou? And I was like, yeah, I went to caribou. And they're like, well, you know, you're supposed to be leading this meeting. I'm like, yeah, I know. 
And I was like, okay, you guys want to know why I'm late, don't you? And they're like, well, it's none of our business, but yeah, I mean, if you want to tell us, yeah, yeah, sure. And so I was like, okay, I was late because I decided to go to Caribou. And the reason why I decided to go to Caribou is because something happened last night in my home. And one of my kids did something that really hurt me. And it really was not how they would want to be treated themselves. Mm -hmm. And then the way that another family member reacted to it also hurt me. So I had a choice to make. I can either come here and be on time and be fake um, and, you know, act like I have a clean heart and try to, you know, lead this prayer meeting, or I could go to Caribou and conduct two trials. And I did. I conducted two full trials on the way to Caribou and back. And now here I am. And now I'm ready to lead the prayer meeting because I have a clean heart. Wow. And they were like, okay, well, thanks for going to Caribou. (laughs) Well, yeah. And thank you for your transparency because I actually had an experience like that yesterday, but it's, it's real. Like it is real. And you know, when your heart is not pure and you know, when you need to get with the Lord. And so it is a blessing that we can, you know, and that you can explain that. And like, that's the most important thing is me getting with the Lord. Not that I show up looking like I'm okay. Yeah. Because otherwise we're, we're just the whitewashed tombs that Jesus condemned in the religious folks of his day. Yes. You know, pretty on the outside and rot death on the inside. Mm. Yeah, that's a pretty bad place to be. And we see a lot of that in the church, a lot. And God is calling us to be authentic and transparent. I have a prayer partner that that showed me, you know, Jesus was naked on the cross for us. So we can be naked before him. No shame. That's good. So Melissa, do you have a way for people to get a hold of you? Or do you, is there a way that they can get these prayers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I can also put them on the show notes. Yeah, if we're open to that. that. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Um, and sometimes somebody will email me. And um, what I do in these prayers, I do give people my email. Okay. Because I say I want testimonies. Sure. Testimonies yeah. empower other people. Yeah. Um, if I just could sit here for an hour with you and share the list of testimonies, mm-hmm. people would just get free from set free from that because mm-hmm. there is so. Oh, much that people have gone through that is similar to what we've gone through. And so when we can testify and share our story mm-hmm. and, um, and if people will give me their permission never to use their name mm-hmm. or any self-identifying facts, um, but just to share the story, the testimony, there's so much power in that. So okay. I do invite people to email me for that. Do you want to give them your email? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I can give my email. My and name. then I'll also put it on the show notes too. But yeah. to say. My email is M Coleman. So M C O L E M A N at Coleman Law. So C O L E M A N Law L E W dot U S short for United States dot com. Great. So yeah, the beautiful and fiery Melissa Coleman. Thank you <laughs> for being here. Do you mind it's if we pray? Me. I want to pray for you, and then you. if you want to pray for our listeners after that and yeah. close us up, that'd be great. Um, Father God, wow, what a time we've had here, Lord. You are so good and. Lord, you never waste the suffering. Lord, you want full redemption, full freedom uh, that you attained for us on the cross by the blood of the Lamb. So thank you for that powerful reminder uh, today through Melissa. And so, Lord, I I thank you for her. I ask uh, that you would continue to open the doors for her to share this message in the places that you want her to share. Would you open hearts Uh, the people that are um, needing mercy, Lord, people that are needing to extend mercy, Lord, the frail in spirit. Um, Would you, would you bind up the brokenhearted? God, would you bring freedom where there needs to be freedom? And so through her in this ministry, Lord, would you strengthen her? Would you um, bless her family? Would you keep them strong and healthy in the Lord Jesus Christ? And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that no weapon formed against them may prosper, Lord, and that you would continue to lead and guide them going down the narrow road. And uh, because of that, many people would be saved, redeemed, and free. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you came to set the oppressed free and to break the prisoners out. Um, It's just so amazing that you desire, Lord, that nobody's sins would be counted against them. If we truly lived by that principle of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we have to admit all of us would be toothless and eyeless. Mm-hmm. And so, Lord, we're so thankful for your 
mercy that you purchased for us. It was a, uh, it came at a great cost to you, Father, to let your son be tortured and murdered for us. And we don't want to um, leave any bit of it just stowed away in our bank accounts. We want to, we want to share it freely. Um, to whom much is given, much is required, and freely you have received, freely you have you must give. So, Lord, help us to be free givers of mercy, because free people, free people. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, we thank you that um, those listeners that are hearing this today, Lord, that you will do a transaction in their heart, and that you will give them a hunger for their freedom and for other people's freedom, and that instead of fighting against the offenders in their life, Lord, that they'll start fighting for them and that they can break off that conduit of relationship with the accuser and get out of torment and truly live free and unburdened and unfettered and um, full of joy because that's a great way to live. And that's the way that Jesus, you want all of your people to live. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you for listening to the Revelations podcast. And I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And may you understand and know in an even more profound way how truly you are loved by the King.